Amen. I am going to do my best this morning to stick with my notes because this is a very, I feel like this is a very important, timely thing that I need to, we need to get out here because, because of what I just said. The, this, this ride's not over with for any of us. We are, we are going into some, uh, uh, <laughs> here at the end of 2020 to say we're getting ready to go some turbulent times. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But uh, we, we've got to know who we trust, and we've got we to gotta know what our, what our uh, focus should be. We've got to know who we trust, and we need to know what our focus should be. <laughs> I think that's what I said. John chapter 15 and verse 16. We're still in John chapter 15. I have been just devouring this whole abiding thing. Uh, teaching because it, it is so important right now, and um, to understand, I, I feel like I feel like I need we need to go back uh, for se- for a long time. I I did a lot of teaching, did a lot of classes on our in- our identity in Christ, and um, I feel like we need to go back through that again because we have got to understand what our identity is as children of God. Because if we don't, well, we identify with everything else. And, and that identity, it, it just brings confusion. But uh, to know, what, know who you are. In uh, John chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you as long as your presidential candidate wins and nothing goes wrong. These things I command you that you love one another. I don't know what version I was reading out of. I don't know that. I didn't know I said that, but (laughs) when we, (laughs) if we believe the word of God, we've got to understand the circumstances do not dictate the word of God. Amen. We we put our hopes in a lot of, in a lot of things, but our hope has to be built completely on Christ. And and to have that foundation because we can get caught up in an awful lot of things. And we can let ourselves get caught up in in things that that literally hurt us. And in in the time we're living right now, we are seeing the power of, of um, what's it, what is it that I, I call it? Now it just slipped my mind. Um, it's not cranial dissonance. It's uh, huh? cognitive dissonance. I don't know how that's got out of my head. Cognitive, <laughs> it was cognitive. Cognitive dissonance is, is a very powerful thing that we're, we're understanding today. And that is, that is when you, uh, you develop an emotional foundation for your life instead of a factual foundation. When, when somebody challenges what you believe, if it makes you angry, then you understand that uh, you are in cognitive uh, dissonance. In other words, you feel threatened your well-being feels threatened and your life feels threatened because they are challenging your foundation of emotion, emotional uh, um, safety. And when, when uh, somebody challenges that, 
we, we feel insecure. We feel angry. We, we, all these emotions come up instead of factual things because it is, we have attached our emotions to this thing. And when we trust Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that's where our emotions should be, uh, that should be the foundation of, of our emotions. Anything else is unstable, but Christ is not. Amen. Praise God. I have, he has proven himself to me in so many different situations. I, I can't even go into all of them right now. No matter what happens to me, Christ has always been there, and he's always been a foundation. Never one time in my walk with God have I felt, felt abandoned. No matter what happened, no matter what people did, no matter what the world did, I never felt abandoned by God because he was my go-to. He was my safety. He's where I placed myself when everything else was, was uh, going, going in directions I didn't want it to go. So he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. The word appointed means commissioned or to be set or to be planted. I have commissioned you. I have planted you in this for a purpose and for a reason. You have been planted here today. You have been planted in this time. You have been set in this time for a purpose and a reason. This isn't a mistake. This isn't something that, that shouldn't have happened and all this kind of stuff. We have an appointment. We have a, a purpose in what we are, who we are, and where we are. Kevin, Kevin Desai, Zadai, uh, in a book I was reading on, on something that he wrote, um, he has a lot of experiences, and I just, I just leave it with him because I, I don't know, you know how to go through all that and, and you know, what, all of his experiences. But one thing that, that he said really stood out to me, and he said he was having a a uh, encounter with God and God showed him a book and said every person is born I write a book about their life what I want for them and I thought wow that is pretty neat and as I've been looking in the word of God I, I've come to believe that I think that's true because the Bible actually talks about that before the foundations of the world. I plan this for you, you know? It's amazing. We don't always go according to the book that God wrote. How many understand that? And God knows that, but he's always trying to herd us back into the pages of his book. We jump out, we get out of it, you know, and we're, we're like this. We're always taking these off ramps and, and we get lost and, and you know, we, we, get, we get out of sorts and we go the wrong directions and we make bad decisions. But God doesn't throw the book away just because you made a bad decision. He just simply writes into that part how to get you back on page. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's very encouraging to me. Amen. That's encouraging. 
we was trying to find a wedding last night and and my phone for whatever reason i hate i i hate technology i really do it's very important these days but i it, it irritates me and my phone did not could not recognize this address and according to my phone it didn't exist everybody else's phone it did but according to my phone it didn't exist and so we were all over looking and trying to find this thing and uh, this, this place. And we, were, we, we would have been 30 minutes early. And we ended up being late getting there because we was driving all over trying to figure out, you know, what, the, what it would bring up, you know, in the picture we had and trying to figure it all out. And finally I said, just turn it off. I said, I'm going to go the road I think I should have went anyway. And so I went back and, and went down those roads and we drove right to it. That's how our life is. The Holy Spirit's trying to get us. When we first drove into Billings, it was over by Billings. When we first drove into Billings, I told Betty, I said, I think that's the road we're supposed to take. Not because it had any numbers on it or anything. I just felt like that's the road we're supposed to take. And we didn't take it because we was trying to follow technology. And when I finally turned it off and just took the road, my, Betty calls us sniffing out. We'll take off on trips across the United States without a map. And, and she calls us sniffing out. I, I, I find these places without, and, and um, you know, that, that's just me. I love to do that. And uh, people ask me how I do that, and I say, well, it's northeast from here, so I need to go northeast. I need to find a road that goes north, and I need to find a road that goes east, and I need to find a road that goes north and east, and that's how you get there. <laughs> but so often, we, we get pulled off path by life in a lot of different ways, but God is always saying I need you to get back over here. And he's always pulling at us and drawing us, and, and, and he takes the messes that we make and somehow gets us back on page. I don't know how he does that. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, this is where he begins to tell us that he has plans for us. He has desires for us. And uh, he wants to see that fulfilled. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. You were created with the gifts and purposes that God needs you for specific things. And if we will just let God bring us into those specific things and show us that then it'll begin to flow and develop. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, not in you, not in the world, but in, in Christ Jesus. And there's a purpose for that creation and it is good works. Now, we, we always, you know, have to preface the facts that Works isn't what saves us, but when you're saved, you do good works. In the, in the Passion Translation, it says it a little differently. It says, we have, we have become his poetry. 
I thought, wow, here we are again, God writing. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. That's a powerful statement. What it's saying is God has, has a plan for you, and he has prepared you in Christ for this plan. A lot of us feel like we're just trying to find our way through this world, and a lot of us do. I believe that there are people that miss God's plan. Okay, I've heard people say, you know, they got, they got statements like, uh, no matter what happens, you'll end up where you're supposed to be. That is simply not true. No matter what happens, you will end up in a mess and completely missing the purpose of your life if you don't turn your life over to Christ because you are created, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work. So in other words, he has a plan for you and he has it all lined out. We just, we just have a hard time getting there a lot of times because God takes us through things that we don't understand. You know, I talked last Sunday. I shared some stuff, you know, that I went through in the early days of, of my ministry. And, and uh, afterwards, I thought, man, I shouldn't have shared all that stuff. But then I, I, Sister Betty, I was kind of complaining to her. I said, you know, I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't even have brought that stuff up. She said, it's important for people to learn to stick it out when everything goes wrong. Amen. And that's what that message is all about. Learn to stick it out. Even when people don't want you there, even when things aren't going right, you stick it out. Amen. And you learn to love in spite of it. Amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I, I just don't trust anybody. Well, trust is an investment. And just because of the actions of others, some of, some of you have become bankrupt in the air of trust. Did you know you have an unlimited supply of trust? When you don't be, feel threatened by the actions of other people, you have an unlimited supply of trust. It doesn't mean that you foolishly put yourself in places that will bring harm and danger to you, but it means that you can continually invest trust in people, but when they don't realize the potential and they don't realize that's what they should be, they miss the opportunity of continuing in that trust. But that doesn't mean you pull back and close yourself off to the world and say, I just don't trust nobody anymore. That's an arrogant statement. What you're saying is I'm the only trustworthy person in the world. That's arrogance. You are not. Matter of fact, there's a lot of people out there saying they don't trust anybody because of you. Come on, somebody. Oh, we get, do we need to just get right down into this? Yeah, well, come on. Amen. We, we, we become bankrupt because we feel like somebody's taking something from us. But if you are a giver, they can't bankrupt you. Amen. Because there's an unlimited supply. God's got an unlimited supply for you. You can love because you are love, because love is inside of you. Not because somebody took advantage of or betrayed your love, but because that's who you are. 
You're able to love people regardless of their behavior. Oh, come on. I know this is, this is hard to grab, wrap your mind around because we are used to protection and we're used to putting ourselves back in the cocoon and, and we think, I'm not going to be a butterfly anymore. There's too many dangers out there. So I'm going to go back and wrap myself up in that cocoon again because it's safe in there and then some crazy crow comes along and eats you. It really wasn't that safe, okay? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk. Everybody say walk. We should walk in them. Amen. See, the problem is, is we, we get a, a vision in our head of what uh, walking with God or obeying God is. And... That, that idea you have will always make you feel frustrated because it'll never turn out like that. Life, if you spend all your time up being upset because life hasn't turned out like you wanted it to or like you thought it should, then the problem is you're not embracing your life. You're trying to embrace somebody else's. Because... If, if you wasn't, this wouldn't be your life. Boy, that, that just... In other words, if we spend all of our time thinking, well, my life should have been this way, my life should have... That is a waste of time. You need to look at your life and say, this is what it is. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to do what I can with what I got. Because a lot of times God is trying to get you positioned in a certain place and you keep resisting because it doesn't fit your image. It's like, no, that's not who I am. God keeps trying to get you to serve and you keep trying to reign supreme. And you're never going to fit in that and you're always going to feel like people reject you because you're out of place. Oh, come on. All right, I'm going to quit picking on you. No, I'm not. That's a lie. I'm not going to. But it's destiny. Destiny planned ahead of time. You have a destiny. I have a destiny. We might have missed some appointments, which causes disappointment. But we haven't missed the mark yet. The bullseye is still out there. We just got to get back on track of how to hit the bullseye. You might have missed some appointments. I know that I've missed some appointments. There's been times I pray, I've been praying and said, God, forgive me for all of the times that I didn't end up where I was supposed to be or didn't do what I was supposed to do. But you have always been faithful in all of it. Amen. In 1 Peter 5 and 10, I didn't give this to you guys. 1 Peter 5 and 10, I, I, I love this verse, and I, I, I give this to a lot of people that's struggling, trying to figure things out. But it says in, in 1 Peter 5 and 10, it says, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory, to what? Called us to his eternal glory. Amen. Everybody say, I'm called to his eternal glory. 
by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I love the way that's stated. You know, sometimes after God gets done with you on the pottery wheel, he needs to put you in the oven to settle you. Oh, we don't like that, do we? We, we, want, we want it to be easy. I got to tell you something. Easy never gets anything done. If you want to get something done, it's not easy. Amen. I was talking to Seth yesterday. He builds, he builds does landscaping, and builds retaining walls. And I was, I was saying, man, that's, that's easy when you can get the blocks to where you need them to be. But when it's muddy or something and the blocks are at the bottom of the hill and the wall's up here, that makes it a little more difficult, doesn't it? Because you got to pack all those blocks up that hill to build that retaining wall. But it's, it's not easy. But when you get that thing built and stand back and look at it, it's like, yeah, it was worth it. You know, that's, it, this has been created because I didn't take the easy way out. I committed myself to this, and so God, a lot of times God takes us, we, we, do, we do not get to escape the training. The gifts that God's given you need to be trained. And in order to train your gifts, he needs to train your character to carry the gifts. So a lot of times before you get to start walking in your gift, you have to go and be trained in the character of the gift. And some of us spend our whole life rebelling against the training to get us ready for the gift. All right. To settle you. I'm, I got to read that in the, in the Passion Translation too. Some, some of this stuff just kind of makes sense a little more when you put it in, in today's vernacular and uh, a little easier to understand sometimes. But in uh, the problem is they put little tiny numbers on this thing. It says in verse 10, 1 Peter 5 and verse 10, it says, And then after your brief suffering... The God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up, and he has all the power needed to do this. I like that. He has all the power needed to do this. We've got to let God establish us and sit us in the right place. And we've got to be willing to embrace that place. Amen. Paul, Apostle Paul said something that really rings in my spirit, has for years. He said, we have many teachers, but few fathers. And the reason for that is a lot of, a lot of us 
don't want to be pressed into the place where we can be a spiritual father. Because to be a spiritual father, you have to be pressed into that. You can't just, you can't just become a spiritual father because you have to be able to bring to people what God wants you to bring, and that is stability, approval, and guidance. And if you haven't learned the lesson yourself, how can you guide somebody that's trying to get there? And how many times does God have to take us through this thing over and over and over? I've seen people in church, because I've been in church my whole life, and I've been a, been a pap, been preaching for 40-some years, and I've seen this over and over and over as people will run into the same issue in every church they go to, and they run every time they run into that same issue. They just go to a different church because in America, they're plentiful. Thank God. Amen. I don't complain about that at all because, thank God, we live in a place where we still have some religious freedom. But in some ways, we got a little too much freedom because we don't have to face ourselves. We're able to run to a different mirror thinking we're going to find a different image in that next mirror. But we keep finding ourselves. And we keep seeing the same ugly truth about ourselves over and over and over until you finally come to the place where you submit to God and let him form you through that problem and that issue. Okay? Man, it's quiet in here today. Come on. This is encouraging. We, everywhere you go, you'll run into that same personality that you can't deal with. Amen. They're everywhere. <laughs> You're not going to find a place. I have people talk, you know, people talk, talk to me about, oh, we need to just build a Christian community. I said, dear God, you can't even get along in church. How are you going to get along living next to each other? When one of your neighbor kids hits your kid in the head with a rock and you flip out and become all dramatic as if the world just crashed because something was done against you or your child, I've been in this thing a long time. Woo! <laughs> a lot of times the hardest thing about having children's ministries or teen ministries especially is trying to deal with the parents. Those kids can resolve their issues if we can just get the parents to quit fighting about it. Come on, I feel the anointing now. <laughs> Woo! I've seen I've seen kids get get into it in church, getting some spat, and the parents get so mad they end up leaving the church. The kids remain friends, but the parents won't speak to each other again. What is that? We are refusing to be pressed 
into the place of Christ. We won't let God form us. And how's he going to form you? He's going to form you through that person that just irritates the life out of you. Praise Jesus. Are we feeling good yet? We, we live in an offended society. Offense used to be something that was, that was uh, thought to be embarrassing. If you was offended, then that looked like weakness. But today it's glorified and it's power. I was offended, so everybody should form to my offense. No, you need, you need to face yourself and mature in that area so you're not offended. Oh, this don't, this don't go over very good. I couldn't sell one book on this, you know? <laughs> you know, when I, I see books living your best life now. I got to tell you something. If you're going to live your best life now, you're going to have to go through, through some hell to get there. There, is, there isn't step one, two, three, hallelujah, and you're there. There's step one. And then there's step one. And we get back up, step one again. And then we finally get to two. Woo, I made it. Bam, step three hits us. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and until we can take that, until we can learn to live in Christ through these things, we're never going to get to the place where we are pressed into the position that we're needed. And that's why there's few fathers, many teachers, but few fathers. Because fathers in the ministry are those that have been pressed, run over, drugged behind the gospel train, and got back up and continued to lead and love people. Amen. I sent my boys a picture. It's a picture of a gorilla looking real mean. And it said, uh, the job of dads or something like that is to be grumpy and know things. <laughs> I, I sent them a picture of that and said, this looks familiar. And to my surprise, I got back long list of compliments. And, uh, you know, just, I, I was, you know, I was trying to be funny and they complimented me as a father and that just, that humbled me. I thought, wow, I thought I'd been grumpy. <laughs> but what were they saying? They were thankful because I didn't quit. They were thankful because I'm still here. You know what I'm talking about? We've got to learn to be pressed into the plate. This, this is, I thought we were going to be shouting by now. I mean, I was, I was worried about the fans because I thought, man, we're going to be swinging from the fans on this one. But we haven't got there yet, have we? <laughs> 
This preached a whole lot better in my head before I got out here. <laughs> but after you have suffered a while, he will establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. There is something so powerful about becoming settled about who you are in Christ and being happy to be there. Amen. You know, for years, I, I, I tell on myself all the time because, like I said last Sunday, I could tell your story, but you wouldn't appreciate that. Especially in front of everybody, especially stuff you haven't told us yet. But anyway, for years... At the story I told you, you know, last last Sunday about, you know, it, it was something. I mean, I, I was a force to be reckoned with when I was younger, and, and there's a lot of people didn't appreciate that because I was very aggressive and very uh, out there and hyper, and and nobody nobody had to tell me which direction to go because I, I mean, I thank God from an early age. I, it's like I have this direct line. I don't know how, how to explain it. But I just, I have this conversation, and God just talks to me about stuff, and I know where I'm supposed to go, and I know what I'm supposed to do, and I, you know, and, and so I don't always express that or understand how to relay that. So a lot of times I come across very bossy, which is one of my greatest gifts. I tell Sister Betty all the time, she'll say something about, you are so bossy. And I'll say, honey, God gave it to me. I have to use it. <laughs> A lot of mercy there, Brother George. A lot of mercy. Yep. There it is. I just went back to step two. <laughs> but I didn't always know how to convey that or lead People, you know what I'm talking about? I would, I would just take off, and I didn't realize, I didn't understand how to bring everybody with me in that, and so I, I got a lot of knots on my head trying to learn how to bring everybody with you. I don't make spur of the moment decisions anymore. There's times now that I, I go so slow, I'll take up to a year to make a change that God told me a year ago to make because I want it to go. I want everybody to be able to buy into it. You know what I'm talking about? You learn. But I was very impulsive. And because of that, for years, people told me, said, you are not a pastor. And I heard that over and over and over. I mean, just all the time. Board members would, would tell me, say, you're not a pastor and you're not worth a dime. You know, I hear this stuff all the time. Well, that, that seeped into my spirit which I'm, I've always been a very confident person, but that seeped into my spirit. And, and I, I would complain to God. I'd say, God, I'm not a good pastor. Why do you have me pastoring? I don't want to do this. And I would complain about it because I believed something that was repetitively said to me. You understand what I'm talking about? But what is that? It's called being pressed. God knew what my gifts were. He just needed to somehow mold me and press me into that place. And so I spent a lot of my younger years very frustrated as a pastor, especially a pastor with a prophetic gift. That doesn't go over very good. I've had a lot of people leave this church and say, I don't like that pastor. He, he, it's like he sees right through me. 
Well, I just, I know. I can start wearing dark sunglasses when I preach. That would, that would sell it, right? That, that, would, that would get people to come. I mean, the whole Jim Jones look, that would be great. <laughs> and so I complained about that. God, why do, you, why do you keep sticking me? Why do you keep me in this position in these places when I don't fit? I'm always saying it, I don't fit. And God was saying, that's because you keep trying to get out of the mold. I got to be able to put the heat to you and form you. <laughs> Woo, back, back to one. <laughs> and so it wasn't until I finally embraced the call of my life and embraced who I was and embraced where I was at that I started enjoying where I was at. You understand what I'm talking about? And now I'm like a kid in the candy store. I'm having the time of my life. I mean, I love it. I enjoy it. I just have a great time, especially when I get to go minister to people that I've never met before and people that don't know Jesus, never known Jesus, and they've been on drugs and alcohol and stuff. And I love because I can speak in their life and crack the door heaven open and say, hey, look what you can have. Come on. Amen. But it's not until you start embracing who God created you to be and accept the power that God has put in your life and the gifts God's put in your life that you'll begin to enjoy where you're at and what you do. I'm talking about everything, ministry, life. Amen. Man, I could stay there for a long time. I, I've got to go on. In John 1 and 12, it says, He came into his own and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power or authority or right to become the children of God, the sons of God. God gave you the right to be who he called you to be. You have the right. You have been, you have been established. Before the foundations of the world, you were established. I've often said that God, God has a lot of mantles that he's wanting to put on people. But God does not tailor the mantle to fit us. God tailors us to fit the mantle. And if we don't let God tailor us to fit the mantle, we never get there. We're, it never fits right. I always feel uncomfortable. You ever wear stuff that doesn't fit right? You ladies, I don't even want to talk to you. You wear stuff all the time that don't fit right. You cram your feet into shoes that destroy your feet and, and, and just because they look good. Us men are just opposite. We, you, you ain't getting my feet into something that don't, isn't comfortable. No, I don't care how good it looks. But you ever wear something that doesn't fit right? I can't stand clothes that don't fit right, you know? They, uh, if, if, they, if they bind up on me, oh, my goodness, I'll rip them. I'll, I'll literally rip them up. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, it's a fit of carnality. I, yes, yes, okay. I got it 
I got it right. I got it from my father. I remember watching him when I was young. He would have a, a shirt on, a T-shirt on or something, and something would be wrong with it. He'd take it off and just rip it into pieces, <laughs> throw it in the trash. It was never coming back. <laughs> because he knew if he didn't rip that thing up, it would be patched in his closet next week, okay? Because that's what you do. When I was, when I was a young kid, my mom took me in the, in the sewing room and taught me how to work a sewing machine because she got tired of repairing my clothes every day. And so I learned, I learned how to sew. I learned how to patch my clothes. I did, I, you know, patch these things up. And most of my clothes are nothing but patches. I mean, they had seams everywhere. I started this fad. You know, all the rips and patches and all that stuff. I started that several years ago. And now the people are making a fortune off of it. Why didn't I understand that? I could have, all the clothes I had growing up, I could have sold them for $150 a piece. And we threw them away. But if something doesn't fit, you know, it's just hard to appreciate it. Some of y'all might not know what I'm talking about. I, Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Raise your hand. I just want to, oh, praise God. I was feeling lonely up here. I mean, <laughs> and that's the way it is when we, when God starts trying to put us into something and we don't feel like it fits. Why doesn't it fit? Because we haven't allowed God to press us into the place where it fits. Amen. Acts 1 and 8 says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses unto me. You shall receive power, ability. God doesn't put you out here and then just leave you. He gives you the ability to function in what he's bringing you into. I mean, look at the, the, at the apostles. They were all a bunch of misfits, and God molded them into powerful world changers. I mean, Peter had the taste of shoe leather in his mouth all the time he followed Jesus, but after the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him, he got up and preached one of the most fantastic messages that had ever been preached. Why? Because God had that for him all along. He just wasn't able to yield to it. He was mouthy, he just wasn't mouthing the right stuff. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is the empowering nature of Christ in us to overcome the flesh. In Galatians 5.20, but the gifts of the Spirit is the power and ability to do the works of God. We have to have both. Ephesians 1 and 3 says that he, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been anointed and we have been appointed. Praise God. God's got some stuff for us that, that we haven't yet allowed him to bring us to. We've been on detours. We've been going a lot of different ways. You know, even even out in the world, a lot, a lot of people don't um, don't get into their full 
you know, it's sad when you see somebody on a job that has potential, but they can't get their attitude under control. And because they can't get their attitude under control, they can never be molded into the position they could be filling. Because of that one thing. You see people that have the ability, but they don't have the character. And if they would just let their character be molded, they could be in this position and they could be effective. Some of you people that have employees are just sitting there thinking, oh, we need this on the wall. I remember talking to a young man where, where I work, and man, he was a great worker. Really, I mean, he would go after it. He, he was a great worker. And he, he would meet any challenge head on. I mean, he was a good worker. Man, his attitude was terrible. And I, I was just, I'm just a part-time employee, what they consider me. But I've kind of become dad to a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm the old guy now. That is just really weird to me. I was always the kid preacher for so long. I was the young preacher, you know. It was always I was too young, too young, too young. And now all of a sudden I'm old. And I'm having a hard time buying into that because I'm the kid preacher in a 60-year-old body, and it's like, what is going on, you know? And so now everybody looks at, to me, you know, I, I, one, of, one of the managers actually calls me old man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Every time he sees me, he says, hey, old man. I told him, about the second time he called me that, I said, hey, if you ever want to take a try at the trophy... <laughs> you know, that's, that's that male ego coming out, you know. <laughs> Don't call me old man. But I told this young guy, I said, I said, hey, I got him off to the side one day, and I said, hey, I said, you are, you are being really rude to the bosses and to the managers. And I said, you're a good worker, but, man, your attitude's terrible. And I said, you're being rude. You're, being, you're, you're refusing to cooperate. And I said, you see that road right there? He said, yeah. I said, in a couple of days, you're going up that road for the last time if you don't get your attitude straightened up. I said, I'm telling you, they're going to fire you. And I said, the bad thing is, you've got the ability to do this, and you've got the ability to be in charge, but you don't have the attitude. And I said, you need to get your attitude under control. And he started arguing with me. You know, I, I know these people, I've known them, you know, and I said, hey, all I'm telling you is you're about to get fired, and it's senseless. You're a good worker. A couple days later, he went up the road for the last time. Why? He had the ability. He had what it took. He just couldn't form himself. To what it took. Amen. Have I said that enough today? Re repetition is the is the mother of all learning. I mean, 
you got to repeat stuff over and over and over. If nothing else, when you leave here today, I want you to have this ringing in your mind. I need to be formed into the place God wants me to be. Amen. And in order to do that, he will put people around you sometimes that will, will apply some heat to your life. Not because it's fun, not because he wants to see if you can make it, but because that's what it takes to put you, to bring you into that place, in that position. Wow. Amen. Take it from somebody that knows this because there, God has had to stuff me back in the mold so many times. And I keep crawling out of there saying, I don't fit this. I don't fit that. I, this, you know, this isn't who I am. I, I love it. You know, when, when God, when we were traveling all over and, and I, I was loving life. I mean, I love preaching the gospel in other countries. I feel, I feel so at home in, other, in foreign countries. I can't explain it. Don't know why. When I land in a, in a foreign country, it's like I go, <sighs> and I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy all of it. I enjoy the dirt. I enjoy the, you know, the whole thing. I mean, you know, the mud huts and all that kind of stuff. I, I like it. I enjoy it. And so I was loving life, you know, just, just doing that. And God was blessing us. And we, we were getting to go all over the world and, and preach the gospel. And, and uh, I come home one Sunday. We'd been in India and had a tremendous crusade there and just and got into it with the Cobra Temple and and those people were violently possessed and, and we were seeing people set free and it was a fight every night and I was rolling in the dirt with these people. I mean, it was violent. It it wasn't just this nice little thing of come out. It was like it it, it was like it was physical as well as spiritual and, and and there's times I would be on the ground with these people because they were mean and aggressive and and but they would get delivered, they'd get set free. And, you know, we went through that. I went back to I went back to our room every night. And, and my hair would be sticking up, and I'd have dirt all over me, and, I, and, and a smile on my face. It's like, whoo! <laughs> that was fun. And I came home, walked in the door, and I can take you to the spot. On Sunday morning, I walked in right back there, and all of a sudden, I thought, whoa, something has changed. What has changed? What's going on? And so I went through the service that day, and I felt just like, man, something has changed. What is going on? And on Monday morning, I come to my office just really thinking, what in the world is going on? And I just stretched myself out on my office floor and just laid there praying and seeking God, saying, what, what, are, what are you telling me? What's happened? What's happened? And in my heart, I felt like God wanted me. I thought, man, this is it. God's wanting me to start going, just continue doing this world evangelism. And so I actually said, after a while praying, I actually said, God, I'm ready if you want me to do this. And what he said rocked my world. He said, I want you to cancel everything and stay here and be a father to these people. Wow. That was not the mold 
that I was looking for. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Because I didn't feel like that was the, where I fit. But how many know God knows where you fit? He just needs to get us to the place where we fit. Amen. Come on, somebody. And I embraced that. I said, okay, God, I, I'll do that. And the next week, I didn't have to cancel anything. I had five meetings set up in five different countries. And the next week, all five of them canceled. Everything fell through. The money dried up to the point that I had to go get a loan and pay off the last crusades that we had done. I mean, everything stopped. And it was like, God, what are you doing? You know, I thought this was, you know, I had a vision. I thought this is what you wanted to do. But God was saying, I have a different vision. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you that your vision, your ideas don't always, isn't always what you're supposed to be doing. Boy, this is a hard sell. Man. <laughs> you might be sitting there thinking, but I don't like this. Well, that really doesn't matter. Because God has to get you the place where you embrace something before you start liking it. Amen. Stand with me. I'm, I'm going to have to call. I'm, I'm going to turn into a used car salesman or something here in a minute because I'm not selling this thing very good. I need, I need a little more. Sorry, if you're a used car salesman, I didn't mean to be derogatory. I just mean you're really good at talking and selling stuff. Amen. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Woo. How do you give an altar call or a prayer time about this? Okay. How many want some heat and pressure? <laughs> We're going to put you in the oven and cook you a while here. But the joys of the Lord overcome everything father i just thank you lord you know what you're doing you know what you're taking us to and father i know that i know that i know that you have a plan you have a vision lord you've shared a lot of that with me lord god i know that you have a plan for us you know where we're going and father for every person in this building today Whatever their life is, wherever you have them, and God, whatever you've got them in, Father, I pray that we can learn to let you bring us into that place. Lord, that we not just be a visitor to our destiny, but we learn to occupy our destiny. Father, I pray for that today in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that there would be a, a powerful purpose rise up in people's hearts and lives and realize, Lord God, that when you call us to something, it doesn't always look like that's our greatest gift. But Father, you know what we're capable of and you know what you've invested in us. And I just ask right now, God, that you would just help us to embrace the call that you put on our lives, Lord God. Help us to embrace it, Father. 
up, I had the privilege and opportunity to work with my dad from an early age, from a kid. And I didn't always enjoy that. I didn't always appreciate it. I always appreciated being able to work with him. I never felt like I was being mistreated doing that. But there was a lot of times that it was hard work, and I, I didn't always enjoy it. And I just felt like I was just doing, you know, just, I was just helping him. Until I got older and realized that I had learned so many skills growing up that would carry me through life and, and would help me to be able to do anything I needed to do. And I didn't realize all those times that I thought I was just, you know, working with my dad because they couldn't leave me at home or whatever, whatever the case might be. I didn't realize that I was being trained and I was being prepped to be able to conquer so many things in life. And now I look back and realize that that time I spent working with him growing up as, as a kid gave me ability to conquer and do things that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't spent those hot, miserable days and cold, miserable days working construction and all the stuff that I had to do. I wouldn't have had that. And that's what God's wanting to tell us today. He's saying, I know where I want you, and I know what you need to be doing. And it might not be pleasant right now, but I'm going to get you there. And you're going to realize this is very, very necessary for your life. All right? Praise God. I'm just going to ask you to be bold today. I want to know how many want to be molded into the purposes of God. Do you want to be molded into the purposes of God? Come on. Then you're just going to have to say yes to where God has you and what he's doing in your life. Follow him. Follow him. Father, keep your hands up. Father, Lord, we say yes today. We say yes to your purposes. We say yes, Lord God, to your agenda. We say yes, Lord God, to the call that you place in our life. We say yes to the jobs. Lord, the place you want to put us in work and in our job, Lord God, we say yes. Even if it's unpleasant, Lord God, we realize you're molding something in us. You're teaching us. You're training us. You're bringing us into maturity. And Father, I pray that we would be able to commit to you and yield to you in this. In the name of Jesus, we pray this, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If you have, if, if, now don't say this if you don't mean it. But say, say this with me if you feel like you can. Say, Lord. I'm willing to be trained. I'm willing to be molded for your purposes, for what you plan, and for what you want. Give me grace, insight, and patience to understand that this is your purpose in my life. For this time. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs>
God, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Holy God. I just want to challenge the men in this place. We need spiritual fathers in the church. And you know, be a spiritual father, you're not always appreciated. but you're needed, okay? There won't be a lot of accolades, but we need that. We need that stability. We need leadership. We need, we need to be able to bring the approval of God into people's lives. And Father, I just ask, Lord God, that in the body of Christ, you would just raise up spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, Lord God. We need it so desperately, God. We need it desperately, Father. Lord, mold us and help us, Lord God, to come into that place that, Lord, it's so hard to understand sometimes. But God, bring us into that place. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, I want the worship team, they're going to sing another song, and I want us just to really let God speak to us right now because some of the things that I've said has really stirred some things up. and. Some of you are searching for God's will. God, what do you want? Some of you, as I've been preaching, understand that I need to commit to this. I need to commit to where I'm at. Amen. In this church, some of you are coming here because you're going to be a part of this body. Others are coming because you need, you need the peace of God that we have to help you at this time, okay? So as the worship team just begins to worship right now, I want you to really listen. Put on your spiritual ears and listen to what God's saying to you. <laughs> 